Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. That's it. There's a new member of the final fire club. Celebrating in the streets and loving because wow. Texas Tech Monday night will be playing for the national championship. Welcome one, welcome all to the Tortillas and Takes podcast. You were on once again with your boy, I'll be sure. And we are continuing our series of doing full season previews for 2022 football season on each school in the Big 12. And this episode is all about the Oklahoma State Cowboys. That's right. Oklahoma State that has had quite the success over Texas Tech recently. Uh, however, despite all this success, still does not have the upper hand in the full series against Texas Tech. Uh, this could be the year I think they tie it up, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so with that, I have to bring on my good friend. Uh, he's been on the podcast already, uh, returning for, I think this is your second or maybe even third time, Philip. Uh, Philip Slavin from the 1012 podcast. What is up, Philip? Uh, I, uh, as the uh, owner and operator of the 1012 podcast network, 1012 network, um, I appreciate network synergy, uh, when we're all working together, it's very nice. I know you guys are really good at that. It's nice of you to have me here. I'm sorry you couldn't get one of our OSU podcast hosts. They probably do a better job, but I'm perfectly happy being the third string, um, and, uh, and coming off the bench in what feels like an FCS situation. <laughs> Oh, I do appreciate you coming on, Philip. Um, no, it's, it's, it's really it's it's all of y'all. You, Kay, Dustin, y'all are all there. Great, o- a lot of OSU people on the the on the block, right? That's the main reason why we have four on tortilla takes. We can outweigh the amount of Cowboys we have in the group. Uh, but I was wrong about one thing. Y'all actually tied it up last year. You tied up the rec- the seasons or the uh, 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 school history series twenty three and twenty three. Both teams you tied it up last year. Last year, Oklahoma State pulled out one of the best Big 12 defenses that we have seen in, in Big 12 history. I'll, I'll be quite frank. I mean, that defense was wild. And I think Tech fans saw it. And it's only – it's you know a defense is good when you as, a, as an opposing team get shut out. We lost 23-0, and Tech fans were just like, yeah, okay, that's fair. 
That's <laughs> we're not even mad at the offense. This defense is ridiculous. Um, what is it like losing? But, but with that, you lost your D coordinator. You lost your D coordinator. You lost some key pieces on defense. Is there? I mean, are, is there worry on that side of the ball uh, going forward with the pieces that you've lost? Uh, so let me back up. Yes, it is tied as 23-23-3. Um, <clears throat> OSU has never led in this series, has, has had it tied up a couple times. They tied it up early, then they tied it up uh, four years ago after a nine straight wins, um, and then Tech got a couple, and now it's tied again. Um, so I fully expect Tech to win this year uh, in some weird loss because for some reason OSU just can't take the lead in this uh, godforsaken freaking football series, but we'll see. Um Losing Jim Knowles sucks. I don't. I don't know how. To, I don't know how to put it. Uh, any other way to put it. I'm, I'm props to him. Um, it's weird to say that I'm. I hope that Ohio State uh, does well defensively because I. I want. I, I want to see him smoking a stogie on the sideline of the playoff after they win a game against Natty. Um, also, he he stole with him. One um, uh, of the has he had. He's an off-field guy, uh, Coy McFarland, who helped basically coach the linebackers. That was his position coach, uh, Knowles at OSU, but you know the grad assistant did most of the work for him at that one. Um, and took one of our uh, uh, our safeties in, in Tanner McAllister. So we get it; it's fine. But I want them all to dare it up. You know, you always want your guys then they kind of you know level up. I guess you could say by going to like Ohio State and then have them be like the best safety and be like, what was that? You had to take from Oklahoma State to have a successful defense? Oh, cool. All right. Cool. Ohio State who has all the money in the world. Anyways, it sucks. It sucks to lose Jim Knowles. We would have loved it for him to have stayed here forever and ever and ever. Amen. But it, it, you know, it's, it's one thing when you lose somebody like that, it's another thing when you're able to replace them with somebody like Derek Mason, right? It, it the hurt, is it nearly as bad when you replace them with somebody that, you know, that's, that's, that's a, that's a pretty on par replacement. Derek Mason is, is considered one of the best defensive minds in college football was very successful at Stanford. Uh, yes, he wasn't a super successful head coach at Vanderbilt. Most people aren't, um, had one season at Auburn and I'm not going to hold that mess against him, even though they still did a pretty good job in one year. I mean, good Lord, what a, uh, there are like a number of fan bases I would never want to be a part of. And Auburn is absolutely one of them. You could win 10 straight national championships. I'd still be like, nah, uh, that there's, there's, there's Britney Spears toxic. There's uh, uh Kardashian toxic. And then there's Auburn toxic. And I'm just not going to touch it. Uh, but you bring in Derek Mason, um, you retain all of your other defensive position coaches. You do move a few things around, uh, Joe Bob Clements, who was the defensive line coach, has moved over to linebackers. And, uh, and Richardson, who had coached the defensive ends, is now the defensive line coach. Um, yes, I will say this all the time. I think this is setting up uh, Joe Bob Clements to be the successor when Derek Mason leaves because no one thinks he's going to be here for a long time to eventually be the defensive coordinator. But I mean, it's a situation where you look at it and go from a coaching standpoint, I'm not, you could not have replaced Jim Knowles any better than they did. I mean, I, I I completely agree with you. I mean, Derek. I mean, a lot of I think a lot of fans will remember Derek Mason from his time at Vandy when he was he was very outspoken. He was, and it's I I will say Derek Mason not being successful at Vandy is almost proof that almost nobody can be successful at Vandy. Like James Franklin is about that's as as good a success gets over at Vanderbilt. So um, one thing that I think whenever uh, we kind of do, do these previews and look at some of the things. Um, we you kind of see we one of the first things you do is you look at okay who made the preseason all Big Twelve team, 
And uh, this year, I mean, a lot, there's really one key thing we kind of talked about is there was no good quarterbacks to put on the all big 12 team. Cause when you open it up and you see Spencer Sanders, I think a lot of people kind of raise their eyebrows. You mean the guy that Oklahoma state fans have been complaining about for three years is the preseason all big 12 quarterback. So Philip, let me ask you, Spencer Sanders, is there optimism for Sanders this year? Is uh, what are, what are Cowboy fans feeling about Spencer Sanders going into his senior year? I mean, look, um, I feel like the fan base is is pretty is pro Spencer, especially in the off season because you're you've distanced yourself away enough from the mistakes that he he makes um, to to buy back in. And I'll, and I'll say this. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm sure I will make some derogatory statements on Twitter throughout the season when he throws uh, just god awful interception because he will. Um, he has improved on the fumbles. He kind of is what he is, right? And that's what everybody says. Um, I think his. I think I saw Bill Connolly state like his QBR hasn't really changed across like three seasons. Um, if you look at his rating on ESPN, it's slightly improved uh, year over year from one thirty three point nine to one forty three point two to one forty five point four. So it has gotten better a little bit. Um, the interception stuff, like he threw eleven in his first year, eight in twenty twenty, twelve last year. So it. it there's a little bit, and please understand, I'm not. I'm using this as a a comp for specific purpose, not because I actually think they're the same kind of player. It's a little bit of Brett Favre, and that you just kind of have to you kind of have to take the, the bad with the good. And I think where people have trouble with him is there's almost too much focus on the bad because some, the bad hasn't changed much, right? You're still getting 12 turnovers, and so you don't focus on. I do think he has made improvement year over year over year. <clears throat> I I do. I do think he has gotten better each year as a quarterback. Um it is it's marginal amounts, it's not giant leaps. You haven't seen some sort of like this is the year it's clicked, everything is amazing, everything is so much better. His completion percentage, I mean 62.8%, 62.8%, 62.1%. Um it, he kind of is what he is, but I do think again he is getting better. Um he is making better decisions. Like I know it was 12 interceptions last year, but seven of those came against Baylor. Seven of those 12 came in two games. They were more spread out in previous years. Now, he always is going to have a game. Texas Tech three years ago. The uh, Texas game two years ago. I can find a game every season where you go, you can blame whoever you want. Somebody turned the ball over three or four times, and it was Spencer Sanders, and I'm going to blame him when when that's what happens. And so I think he's going to have a game like that every season. There will be a game on the schedule. Um, you won't be able to figure out which one it is. He's going to have multiple turnovers. Maybe it's Baylor this year. Maybe it's a different team. I don't know. Um, but it's just going to happen, and you're going to have to be okay with it. And, and maybe they'll win like they did in Baylor against Baylor the first time last year. Maybe they'll lose like they did against Baylor in the Big 12 title game. Though I, I as, as much as the... Um, Turnovers hurt there. Victor title game was had a lot more to do with the fact that you didn't have a healthy Jalen Warren. You didn't have a healthy starting center and your cowboy backs were pretty much down to a uh, freshman wide receiver who had no business playing cowboy back as a freshman who'd been converted to it. And so it put Oklahoma state at a tough position and it led to Spencer Sanders throwing a lot of picks. It's not to take away from Baylor, not doing that right now. I'm just saying that, you know, these things do matter. The question for Spencer Sanders is always going to be, is is his is he just is he at his ceiling and all you're really doing each year is kind of pushing his ceiling just an incremental amount or is he going to have a, a leap year 
You know, like we've seen from quarterbacks uh, uh, like Joe Burrow had, like Kenny Pickett had, like we've seen from quarterbacks in the past where you know who they are until they become somebody new. Are we going to see that from Spencer Sanders? If we don't see it this year, I don't think we're going to see it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think with Spencer, it's it's all it's actually more of a microcosm on the rest of the conference than it is on on his him in general. There's nobody proven. He's the only one that at very least, like you said. He is what he is. We know who he is. Two years ago, I made a prediction. I thought Spencer Sanders was going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the conference because I was high on him going into his sophomore year. I was wrong. He didn't get any better that then. He hasn't gotten any better since. But now it's a question of you know whether he takes that leap or is he, he is what he is. Um, I also look at the rest of your offensive pieces, and and you you kind of talked about it. you have lost a few pieces, a couple of linemen. You lost Jalen Warren, but there's still a lot of good pieces on this offense. And this was an offense that at some times, despite the tremendous defense, was kind of moving methodically and their job was to make sure you're not losing the game for the defense. But do you feel like some optimism on the offensive side of the ball with some of the weapons that you have coming back? Um, I know I did just looking at your team or or, uh, gearing up for this episode. The offense is going to have to take the step forward to to compensate for what the defense has lost. And I don't, it's not that I think the defense is going to be bad this year, but like, you're replacing too much to think that there's not going to be a step back and there's not going to be growing pains, right? There's talent on the defense. There is, especially in the backfield. I wholeheartedly believe that Oklahoma State safety and and, and um, quarterback coach are two of the more underrated DB coaches in the country. Period. Um, they've. I don't know how many times they had to put out really good college safeties and corners before it's like, all right, well, we're just going to give them the credit that they deserve, especially on corner. Um, but on offense, you were. Tay Martin was your leading receiver last year and he's gone, but he was also the only guy who was like older than a sophomore. Braden Johnson was hurt. Langston Anderson was hurt. Like it was, you were running out there young when they went to Boise state. If I can remember the number correctly, I think they only were able to take like seven wide receivers because that's all they had healthy. They were beat up early. They were really, really young at, at receiver. And now everyone's a little bit of a year older. You, you have, Braden Johnson back um, healthy again. So I think he's going to play a big role. You've got Brennan Presley. Everyone in the Big 12 knows who Brennan Presley is. Everyone in the Big 12 hates Brennan Presley. And you should. He's just like Texas Tech. There's always some OSU inside receiver. You're just like, son of a That's going to be Brennan Presley. He's going to be that guy this year. You, it feels like a receiver. They feel really good. Rashad Owens, Jaden Bray, who I am, very, very high on as a sophomore. And I think, I think, I think he's going to be the first, the guy who comes forward. You brought in a really, really big freshman class. And one of them, Taylor Shetron is going to see the field. He's the guy who had been committed to Oklahoma, but you allowed his brother, uh, basically unranked Titan to pick up a scholarship. So Taylor said, sure, I'll come join my brother. And I have no problem with those kinds of things. If it gets you the second highest rated wide receiver you've had since Des Bryant, if I recall the 247 ratings correctly, I'm happy with that. That's okay with me. You can poo poo it all you want. Other people, um, I think this is a receiving core who is a year older and really talented. I still think they're one year away from being like, oh, damn, this is a scary wide receiver for core. Good luck covering all of them. But I do think we're going to get closer and closer to that by the end of the year. At running back, this is the deepest the running back group has been in a long time. There was a point in one year where they were four guys deep that I was like, all four of these guys can come in and play and I'm going to feel good about it. For the past couple of years, I have not felt that way. It has not seemed that way. They've had a couple of guys. Maybe they had two guys and a third guy, but they kept getting injured. This feels like the deepest the running back core has been. And look, I am 
Oklahoma State's best seasons offensively have come with a workhorse running back. Every time Gundy's like, we're having a running back by committee, I'm like, we're either going to have a bad season or the the truth is you just don't know who the best running back on this roster is and you just don't want to say it yet. Uh, Last year, folks, last year, Big 12 Media Days, running back by committee, I'm like, no, you're not. You don't. You don't ever do that. You you run one running back into the ground. Justice Hill, Juba Hubbard, Jalen Warren. Uh, list goes on and on and on. This year, it really does feel like Dominic Richardson has locked down the number one heading into the season. You have DeAndre Jackson, who you brought in from Texas A&M, who's kind of been one of the fall camp buzz guys, which is really interesting. Like I feel like he's rising up the chart far more than I thought that he he would when they announced he was joining as a transfer. Also wasn't sure why they would bring in a running back transfer. They didn't need one. I like Jaden Nixon. They brought in two true freshmen, Ollie Gordon and CJ Brown, who everyone's just like foaming at the mouth over to see. Like I they are five running backs deep to me that somebody is going to rise from this pack and be a stud. And then you're probably going to have one or two guys behind them you're going to feel really good about. So that's when I say the depth is there. It does feel like if no one transfers, air quotes, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, somebody always does. Like, it's a very, very talented group. Uh, if you want to talk offensive line, I keep hearing it's the deepest they've been in a long time. You know, rule is if you have eight offensive linemen, you should feel pretty good. Like, that's what you want is to have eight guys at all time you know can go in and play and you have success. Um, they say they're about 10 deep. Um, and it's the healthiest they've been going to the season. And this has been a problem for Oklahoma State. They have headed into the season every year for a long while. Every year it's like, okay, this starter's out. Okay, these two guys have transferred. Okay, we had to kick these two guys off the team. Okay, this has happened. And you go in and it's been offensive line musical chairs. And I can sit and complain for 20 minutes about offensive line recruiting and, and what I think they should do with the position <clears throat> from a coaching standpoint, but I won't. Um, but look, they they MacGyver this thing every single year and take rubber bands and scotch tape and turn it into a bomb to break out of a safe before you know they run out of oxygen somehow. So if they actually feel like this offensive line is deep and they do feel good about a couple of positions which feel set, Hunter Woodard uh, at right guard, um, Wilson at center, probably Caleb Etienne at left tackle. Outside of that, it seems like it's a kind of a crapshoot. But if they actually feel like they are deep, I do trust them. Plus, if you have your healthy cowboy backs because of how much they are glorified extra offensive linemen, if you are actually deep and healthy and you have enough guys who it's okay if a man goes down because they will, then I feel okay about the offensive line. Yeah, and I, and I feel like the offensive line is really where, like, if, if the team is going to truly improve, especially on the offensive side of the ball, it's going to be from the offensive line. I think that's really where Oklahoma State as a team, after you, with you losing so much on defense, that's where Oklahoma State's going to be able to make that that step, make sure that they can make that next step offensively, and make sure that they're not they don't lose as many. Like you may be losing a lot on defense, but you also don't want to lose games because of it, right? And that I think is also based on the offensive line. So um, as we look on the defense, we kind of talked about Jim Knowles and and the the big hole he that Derek Mason is trying to fill. Um, it's you. Know, it, I kind of talked about it before, but you lost eight starters. <laughs> You're, I'm looking at this thing right here, this guy right here, and that y'all are dead last in the conference in returning production on defense. Um, but you got a lot of defensive ends. You got your defensive end group is pretty is pretty uh, uh, well stacked. 
There, I should say. So, and and you you got though you've lost a lot, especially in secondary, and in, I mean you lost Malcolm Rodriguez, so that alone is a huge loss linebacker. You got some pieces there. We'll talk a little bit about the defense. Talk about Derek Mason's two four five setup. Uh, what are you expecting on that side of the ball? So this defense is not changing. Um, one question I've gotten asked a lot, and a lot of people ask questions about Oklahoma State is, you know, what what kind of defense are they going to run now? Gundy is going to treat the defense the same way he's treated the offense for years. There's the Oklahoma State offense. And no matter who they bring in as offensive coordinator, they're going to run OSU's offense. It's just that they might have different flares and things they add based off that offensive coordinator's background. There may be some things that are slightly different because of Derek Mason coming in, but they're going to run what they consider Oklahoma State's defense, which is the defense they've run the last few couple of years under Jim Knowles. So it's not going to, it's not going to change. Um, yeah, defensive line is set. There is, I, there is an argument um, of who has the best defensive line, who has the best pass rush in the Big 12 between Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and Baylor. And if you try and tell me it's one or the other demonstratively, I'll tell you, okay. Like, we're doing pass rush rankings on the Tintwell podcast, and it's I saved the best for last because I'm so excited to talk about it. The pass rushes in the Big 12 are going to be absolutely gnarly and nasty. And if you don't have a good offensive line, <laughs> Texas, uh, you 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 in trouble. I uh, hope you healthy. Like, I – this defensive line for the Oklahoma State is just – they just brought everybody back. From as far as starters, you have Brendan Evers, you have Sione SC, you've got Xavier Ross as a backup. Uh, if Aiden Kelly, who's a redshirt freshman, is what we think he's going to be, he's going to be incredible. If Colin Clay is healthy, who boy. Um, and then you talk about the defensive ends. If you bring Brock Martin and Tyler, everyone's going to talk about Trace Ford, who's healthy now. <laughs> Maniacal laugh. You got Colin Oliver, who terrorized everybody last year as a true freshman. And everybody's going to talk about Trace Ford and Colin Oliver. And yet Brock Martin and Tyler Lacey are the two guys who are going to be starting as redshirt seniors because that's how good they are. That the two super talented young guys that everybody's excited about for can't get past them in the starting lineup. Um, the defensive ends, can you play four defensive ends at one time? Is there a way to package at least three of them? Because you can only get in so many on the on the field at one time, and that's it's gonna be a lot of fun. Oh, it's yeah, I I just I cannot wait to see at least uh, please tell me Trace Ford is lined up at like linebacker, wink wink, nudge, nudge, air quotes at some point, because it will be amazing. Um, the defensive line is gonna be awesome. I feel good about corner. Every year for the past like four years. OSU loses a Big 12 first-team caliber starting corner who never gets to be Big 12 first-team because nobody wants to throw his way so doesn't put any stats up because he just sits up there and was like, let's just just screw him. We don't want to target him. Um, it was A.J. Green. It was, um, I can't think of, and then it was Jerry Bernard Converse, and then it was, uh, oh God, sorry, it's getting late and uh, I'm tired. And then it was last year. And I cannot believe it. I'll think of his name in a minute. Basically, it's been like four years in a row. You've had somebody that's like, well, they're not going to replace that guy. And then they do. Now, this year, you have to start. You have to replace both. Both starting corners are gone. All your starting safeties are gone. But it's not the end of the world. Um, I feel really good at corner about the two guys that they have starting. Uh, Corey Black, we both started against Notre Dame in the bowl game. I know that's one game. Corey Black has played quite a bit. Corey Black made plays last year. It's essentially like the third guy. Um, Jabbar Muhammad is very impressive. Look, they're both juniors. DeMarco Jones is a redshirt junior. Feels like the the, the third guy. You're going to have growing pains. It's just going to happen. But I feel really good about those guys you have filling in for them. At safety, Thomas Harper, 
Jason Taylor and Kendall Daniels are expected to be the starters. Jason Taylor's made numerous plays as a backup safety. He's made big plays on defense and on special teams. Like it's, it's, that doesn't always translate to being great as a starter, but the potential is absolutely there. Um, Thomas Harper is a senior, very reliable. Kendall Daniels is a redshirt freshman. He's a four star kid, number one ranked. Uh, recruit out of the state of Oklahoma back in the 2021 class. He didn't really play much last year. He was an AM commit who ended up at Oklahoma State. Every OSU fan knows the name Kendall Daniels. Every OSU fan is excited to see Kendall Daniels. He's going to have some growing pains in his first year. If Kendall Daniels is what we think he is, he will be a first-team All-Big 12 safety NFL, at worst, day two draft pick. Like The potential is there in the defensive backfield, but there are going to be growing pains. You're going to have to allow for them. That just is what it is. It doesn't mean that I don't think they'll be good. In fact, I think they'll be pretty good by the end of the year, but you're going to have to give them some time. Linebacker is the biggest question. You don't lose Malcolm Rodriguez to the Lions and Devin Harper to the Cowboys and just go like, yeah, no big deal. We'll just replace them. No, you don't. You do not. You do not just replace Malcolm Rodriguez. Sorry, it's not going to just happen. That's not to say the two guys in Mason Cobb and Xavier Benson aren't going to be good. Xavier Benson, a game, a name that Texas Tech fans should be very familiar with, former Texas Tech starter who went the Juco route and is now at Oklahoma State, will be starting at linebacker um, <clears throat> as a redshirt junior. And then Mason Cobb, who's a junior. Like I, I, They can both be very good. Lamont Bishop, who I think is essentially the third guy as a redshirt senior, can be very good. They've been recruiting to this position to develop them. But you're not replacing... Malcolm Rodriguez. There's no Malcolm. There's no nobody on this roster is going to step in day one, even see season one and be Malcolm Rodriguez. Um, and for that matter, Devin Harper either. So this is the one position group in the defense where you we I am the most concerned. And you're going to see the biggest drop off from from really the last two years. Yeah, I mean, I think I think tech fans can definitely uh, uh, relate to having a bunch of linebackers leave and then having to really replace them with unknowns. Xavier Benson, I will say, if there's anybody that's ever entered the transfer portal can leave from tech, that's one guy that I think tech fans should uh, really still root for. I know I still do. Um, he's you know he was somebody that left tech. A big reason why he left tech was because of COVID, um, and not necessarily seeing eye to eye with uh, our previous head coach, which. That's kind of half the people that left. <laughs> Love Texas Tech during that time. But Zay Benson had a great time at Tyler G, uh, JC last year um, and, and got got picked up by OK, OK State. And, and I think, though he's a bit undersized, I think he's going to make a lot of Big 12 teams pay for it. Pay for, um, you know, not giving him a scholarly. I think the only other scholarly, I think it was, had he not gone to OK State, he would have went to Kansas. Like, come on now, don't, don't. Don't have a situation where he's stuck going to Kansas. That's not fun, right? So, uh, but I, I personally am rooting for Zay Benson. That's a that's a good one. And I think one thing that I usually when it comes to rooting for, I root for everybody. And the best way to root for everybody is I really want everybody to get their finances in order. And the number one way to do that is to get with my guy, Adam Goldman, the franchise coach at franchisecoach.net. He is a franchise consultant, a serial entrepreneur, and a guy's going to help you get the franchise of your dreams. If you want to really expand your portfolio, make sure your finances in order and to do so, Adam Goldman is that guy. So go to franchisecoach.net. He's already helped out multiple Red Raiders this year. You could be the next one. Or even if you're not a Red Raider, Phil, he could help out Philip right here. And guess what, Philip? You don't, or he doesn't get paid until you get paid. You ain't got to pay him nothing up front. That's right. That's how he helps you out. So that's franchise, or that's Adam Goldman at franchisecoach.net. So, Philip, as we as we kind of think about Oklahoma State going forward this year. 
Oh, I appreciate it. I <laughs> think I learned from the best. Um, so the the OSU Tech game. So we kind of talked about the OSU Tech matchup, uh, and this is twenty three and twenty three. And you made a joke that Tech could Tech could easily find their way to to win this game. Um, I disagree. But uh, Texas Tech does play uh, Oklahoma State at the end of a brutal, an absolute brutal stretch in the schedule for Texas Tech. Um, a stretch where Tech would have been playing potentially – Oklahoma State could very well be the fifth straight ranked team Tech would have played in a row. So, I mean, as of right now, I think, yeah, all those teams, Houston, NC State, Texas, Kansas State, and Oklahoma State are all ranked currently. Um, that Oklahoma State game on October 8th would be a road game which would be back-to-back road games at K-State and at Oklahoma State for Texas Tech anyway. I mean, what do you think about that game going forward? It was a tough – though the score showed a three-score, a 23-0 game, the game was a lot closer in actuality than that score showed last year. Um, what what are you expecting from that game to be with both teams losing a lot, especially on the defensive side of the ball? On the one hand, it's weird as an OSU fan last year, and I, I almost think – uh, I almost had to get through the season to to judge it better. That was not a close game. Like the score was close, but that stretch of four games after Iowa State that Oklahoma State played where, oh, they only won by 20 points. It's like, yeah, but once they got up two touchdowns, that game was was over. Like it was done. Um, looking at this year, like I, I have a hard time. Look, for Texas Tech, <laughs> I'm all in on Joey McGuire. Again, I host a Big 12 podcast. I'm covering the conference as a whole. I feel like I have a decent opportunity to have opinions on everybody. I love the Joey McGuire hire. I love the Zach Kitley hire. I don't love the DC hire as much as a lot of people do because I, I actually think there's a little bit of masking on that he's kind of on the backward trend, but that's okay. He should be better than what Texas had for a few years, so I'll roll with it. Um, but I feel like... The Joey McGuire hire is a smart hire to build toward year three. Year two should be should be fun. Like tech in year three could be like, hey, guess what? OU and Texas are finally gone now. Well, they're in their last year. Like this could be really fun for tech. Uh, year one might be tough. And they did themselves no favors with the way they set up the front half of the schedule. If you if Tech starts better than two and four, look out. Tech's gonna have a mighty fine season because that back end of that schedule is going up nicely for them. They might not be better than and two and four might be like we had a good start to the season. Like your point on it's not just that they have to place to play Oklahoma State as the fifth game in a gnarly five game stretch. It's at, it is the second straight road game after a road game at Kansas state, who I am very high on. And then you go to Oklahoma state. Um, and for OSU, look, they're coming off a road game at Baylor, which is going to be tough. But the two games before that are UAPB and, uh, idol, who is always a very easy opponent, uh, that everyone is, is, uh, undefeated against. That's 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 idle week, not bye week. You're not getting a buy into anything. I am on that train. So, like for OSU, it sets up much better. Now it is a sandwich game between a road game at Baylor and a road game at TCU, but I don't view that as some sort of like road look ahead trap game. Anything. OSU should beat Texas Tech this year. They just they should. 
Um, but again, oh really? OSU, That's really going out on a really going out on a limb with that one, Phil. Well, hold on, hold on. Like last year, was OSU has had some issues with the like dropping the game you shouldn't. Last year almost is the outlier of the last few years. Um, and I am always concerned because the, the the two games that Tech won in a row to to get themselves out of the tie and give themselves a two-game lead in this overall series again, both felt like games you shouldn't drop, which you did. Uh, maybe not 2019, or de- maybe not 20... And, uh, yeah, definitely not 2019. 2018, I don't know. Um, so it... it I mean, I don't. I don't mean it's bad, but like OSU's getting Tech in a really good spot. Like, there's no. I mean, I, the, you you said it yourself. I think you agree. Like for OSU, you're getting Tech in a great spot for you here. You're coming home after a game, but they're on a gauntlet stretch, just trying to get to the idle week to get a break before they can, you know, get a couple of home games against West Virginia and Baylor. OSU should win that game. So uh, unless you just come home from Baylor and you're beat up and you've had some injuries that really mess you up, like it's a fun series. And look. Whatever the future schedule for the Big 12 is, however they decide to stack this up, I hope to God it's not divisions and it's not going to be they basically said there aren't. Thank you, Iowa State, for being Jamie Pollard for, I have to play BYU every year, throwing a giant wrench in this nonsense. I'm not supposed to say that out loud, but I'm going to. Um, That's why we don't have, like that and other things are the reasons we haven't figured out how the hell the Big 12 is going to set up a football schedule for the next couple of years and then moving forward. Look, I want OSU and Texas Tech to play every year. Um, this this should be a however many rivalry games you get set up. I know Texas Tech has multiple rivalry games in the state of Texas. I get all of that. I of the Texas teams left over because OSU needs to play a game in against a team from the state of Texas every single year. I'm I am I want it to be Tech. There's a relationship rebuilt there with 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 Weiberg, our offense or our athletic director who used to work at Texas Tech. Um, this is a fun series. There's hate there, but it's not like full blown. I want to rip your throat out. Hate. It's, it's not, more it's just like mutual. Hate, like, yeah. yeah. I don't think it can be. I mean, don't get me it's wrong. Like, you guys steal right. everything from us. Nonsense of Texas Tech fans. Just the dumbest thing, whatever. But I'm fine with petty rivalries. Yeah. Okay. I ain't got nothing. This is college okay. athletics. Petty is fine. That's what I'm saying, though. Like, right now, <laughs> right now, the... Yeah, right now, the rivalry between the two fan bases is tech fans, we're annoyed that you steal everything, and y'all are annoyed that we say that you steal everything. That's the extent of it. Like, that is that, that's, that is the rivalry between tech and Oklahoma State. But I do think there's potential there, right? And I think that, like, and I'm of the, I, as a tech fan, I've always felt that um, what sucks about it is we we're never somebody's most hated team. Like it doesn't happen. Like like we hate Texas, but but Texas will always hate Oklahoma and A and M more, no matter what we do, right? We we hate Baylor, but Baylor will always hate TCU more, and TCU will always hate Baylor more, right? Um, and so there's only, I mean, I guess in the new Big Twelve, who knows? Houston and Tech could be could be fierce rival. That's but even though I don't really get why Tech fans hate Houston fans and why Houston fans hate Tech fans, that's something that's outside of me. I don't get it, but um, that potential is there. But I. I actually see something with Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. Whenever in the old Big 12, Texas Tech and Texas A&M was getting to become a really, really fierce rivalry to where both of us started to really, we already hated each other to begin with, but it was really getting to a head. And then A&M left. 
And I feel like Oklahoma State, y'all can fit that. Y'all can fit that void that we've been missing for the last decade. Um, so, uh, but so Philip, there's it is Tortillas and always takes. Be It's time to get your take. Sorry, there's always going to be on the some Oklahoma mutual... State Cowboy season. Sorry, there's always going to be some like mutual, like not full blown hate, but at least like I en- look, I enjoy this rivalry. But it's kind of like it, it. I'm trying to find a good comp or something. It's like you don't want to like that you like, admit that you like it, but you do, and that almost makes you hate it more. Um, I can't come up with a good comp right now because again, it's late. And I'm I'm tired. Uh, but you all know you've got. There's that movie that the, the thing that you hate watch. Either there's there's a show you hate watch, a reality series you don't want anybody to know that you watch, but you watch it and you're like, I fucking hate this. But that's that's what this rivalry is. It's like a it's like a hate a hate love. I hate that I like this, uh, but I do, and so I'm going to continue to enjoy it and not tell anybody that I do. That's that's a great that's a great way to put it. That's an absolutely great way to put it. Um so this Oklahoma State last year had a really good season. Uh, you know, was 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 so was one yard away from the college football playoff. Um, I don't care what anyone says; they're not putting Cincinnati in the top four if Oklahoma State only has one loss. Um, so we're one yard away from the college football playoff. Uh, where do you see Oklahoma State in twenty twenty two? Do they make it back? Do they go to the Big Twelve title game? What are you thinking? It's so hard to predict because the teams that make the Big 12 title game every year is entirely the teams that do the best in close games. And that is such a difficult thing to predict. I think it's why it's been so hard to figure out who's going to make the Big 12 title. It's OU every year against somebody else, right? It's never the team picked second. It's typically the team preseason picked in the like the four, five, six range. And then Baylor, of course, last year, preseason like eight out of nowhere. But Typically, it's that four, five, six because the Big 12 is so close and a lot of that middle that it's just going to be a matter of like, okay, who wins the most one score games? Who's got the six and one record in one score games? That's the team he's going to get there, which is impossible to predict. You, anybody who tells you it's going to be this team, like it is impossible. So it's more about like, who are those teams that you group together? Is OSU in that group? I think so. I think OSU is in the group of teams who, if they can, has the ability to be in close games and win one one score games to get back there. But it's such a big group along with, I mean, let's be honest, Texas, um, Kansas State, Baylor, um, and obviously Oklahoma. And then I'm sure there's someone else that we don't consider, be it Iowa State or TCU, that you should throw into the mix. I guess I should say Texas Tech because I'm on a Texas Tech podcast. Um, but it's such a it's such a hard such a hard thing to predict. I think OSU will be a team that's in the mix. I think this is a nine and three year. Oklahoma State has under Mike Gundy, OSU has never had a returning starting senior quarterback and finish with fewer than nine games in the regular season. Finish with fewer than nine wins in the regular season. It just they haven't. Um, I know that's a weird stat that doesn't actually mean anything, but. Look, if you add the two games that they lost that didn't get to play because of COVID in 2020, that's a 10-win team. And then last year, like I, I think this is a team that nine and three should be the floor. Um, it, it just should. There's you've got a returning quarterback. You have enough returning. You have your defensive line returning. You have a lot returning on offense, even though you lost a lot. I know there's a lot you lost in defense and Derek Mason's a new DC, but you do have the continuity of coaching everywhere else with Mike Gundy at the helm, starting seating quarterback, like 
nine and three should be the floor. And if you tell me the floor on a season like this is nine and three, in my opinion, then that tells me you have a team that if you can get a couple of things to break your way, the difference between nine and three and 11 and one, 10 and two is not going to be that far off. And I, there is a very good chance that this is the year the big 12 has two 10 and two teams in the big 12 title game. Oh yeah, actually, I think that's what I'm, I think that's I'm pretty, or actually no, I take that back. I, I think I gave, I think I said Baylor would, would have 11, but, um, uh, but yeah, no, I think nine and three is where I have it for Oklahoma state as well. Um, I think when we talk about schedules, your schedule lineup for Oklahoma state isn't bad, but the home away is right. So you have at Baylor at K state at Oklahoma. That really sucks to have those three, all three of those games. So I team. So I think with Oklahoma state are the four best teams in conference. So you're playing the other three best teams in conference all on the road. So that is not fun at all for Oklahoma state. Uh, will all three of them be losses? Probably not. I actually think you probably win, win one of those three, but then that also means like you were saying, there's probably a game that I'm not even thinking of that, that slips up and becomes a loss, whether that's, um, that won't be Arizona state. I'm not worried about that, but whether that's home against Texas or, or, uh, um, uh, uh, I don't know why you would lose at TCU, but maybe it's at TCU or who knows? Maybe it's home against Texas Tech, right? That it's, but I do think that's the three losses there at nine and three. That is a very interesting stat about Gundy never having a returning senior lose less than or uh, win less than nine games. That is very interesting. So I'm now, I feel smarter by thinking that this team was a nine and three team. Um, you know, because, uh, you know, I, I obviously must have known that stat beforehand, everybody. Uh, so, so, uh, but yeah, no, I think nine, this is a nine and three team. I agree with that. But I still think that like that old line, the old line is a lot better if the defense is able to, to, to fill in a lot of those pieces. And, um, who knows? Oklahoma State is still a very good team. And I could easily see them back in Dallas as well. Yeah, and I well, you mentioned those three. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast with me. Um, go ahead. No, you mentioned those three. I just uh, to me the season swing for OSU is at Baylor, Texas, at Kansas State, and Oklahoma, and at Oklahoma. And however many of those they win will determine the success of the season. To me, I I I realize some of the other ones could be toss ups, but you know. You you think your team's going to have the down years when you have the five road games, right? Because you have the four road and the five road. And so typically it's hard to have a better season when you have five road games. OSU is one of the teams that has the benefit of their five road game seasons in the Big 12. One of them is Kansas. And I know Kansas is improving. They are getting a lot better. They will be much better this year. But it's still a benefit at this point under the Lance Lance Bible Lara to when you have five road games in the Big 12, you get one of those as Kansas. So you kind of count that as your W and then you worry about the other four road. But with that Baylor, Texas at home, at Kansas State and at Oklahoma, how they do in those four to me will determine the success of Oklahoma State season this year. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so thanks a lot, Philip, for joining us on this podcast. It's great time as always, man. I love having you on. I love talking to you on podcasts. Let everybody know where they can find you and talk to you and slander you if they want to uh, on Twitter and, and plug all your stuff. 
Tech fans can always come at me. Uh, you know where to do so. It's at 1012 Network, T-E-N, the number 12. The word network, that is the Twitter account for the 1012 Network. Of course, 1012network.com is where you can find every show in the network. That includes this one, Tortillas and Takes. Uh, I did not require them to bring me on just to plug the show, but I do appreciate the synergy, as I mentioned. Uh, we've got 11 shows now. Go check them all out, including uh, yeah, look, our Houston show. Scott Holman podcast, our new UCF show, Sons of UCF. Uh, you know, we are working to bring in podcasts for the four schools to get here before the schools actually get here. Cause why wait? I mean, we're basically married, you know, we can go ahead and just do our thing. No one's, you know, we'll do in the eyes of God, whatever. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh man. Uh, check out the 10 podcast as well, please. I would appreciate it. Uh, and you know what? To all you listeners of Tortillas and Tags, thank you so much. Uh, we love that they are part of the network. We love having Albie and Kenzie and Jeremy and the whole gang with us. Uh, the show is incredible. And I know you guys love them. Do them a favor. Make sure you leave them a rating and review. Five stars, you jerks. Don't, no four star. Like, they were great, but there was one technical. <laughs> Just leave them five stars. Write a good review. And then I will make them read them on their shows because they should be doing that anyways. It's good for business. I mean, there you just took us out. On that note, <laughs> thanks, Philip, again for joining us. And so for Philip Slavin, this is Albie Shore, and you have a listen to Tortillas and Takes podcast, part of the 1012 Network and the official podcast for Raider Sports. As always, stay wrecked, people. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply